is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 485, recorded on the last day of April, Thursday the 30th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Jason, how are you doing? Uh, I, you have some time uh, off, and I hope it's going better than your recent time on. Uh, marginally. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been, uh, you know, having a, uh, taking vacation during this global pandemic when, and stay at home suggestion from, uh, our, uh, government, mm-hmm. uh, kind of sucks because, uh, uh, everybody you work with knows you're not going anywhere. Uh, Hey, can you just jump on a call for a second? And I did. And, uh, they were freaking out about some stuff and, uh, yeah, I've been sucked into a few calls here and there. And uh, doing a little bit of work on my vacation, so uh, you know, sucks. But, but, are, but I mean, you're at least getting some time off, right? You're not working the yes. whole time. That'd no, be... I'm not working the whole day. But every day, uh, it doesn't feel like it's really been a very different vacation because Jenny's working, uh-huh. and so my days, uh, you know, I've taken over complete childcare. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really my day is still very full. Well, oh, full of, uh, you know, things that, uh, need to be done. Yeah, of course. And well, so, I, I can't imagine being on like vacation from work now, even though I was just at the beginning of all of this, but I got away. We went and did something, right? If I, yeah. if I took a week off now, I mean, what would be different? I'd get out of bed, not leave my house, probably sit in front of the computer for a good portion of the day and then go to bed again. Yeah. I mean, Jasper and I went for an hour long walk in the rain. Right. And we walked down a, a forest path that was very muddy and dirty and we got really kind of cold and dirty and gross by the time we got home. It was great. We probably had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great time and he got lost a little bit. He was a little bit, cause we came out of the path and we weren't in a place where he recognized. And so he was a little bit kind of anxious about, you know, where are we? I was like, well, we're close to home. I know where we are. It's like, well, let's go home. Let's go back the way we came. It's like, No, we're closer if we just go this way. So he's a little anxious about that. He's been... Uh, a little bit anxious about uh, going out during the uh, the virus, he calls it. Sure. Uh, so we got home and he had hot chocolate and everything was good. And then we watched uh, the Lego movie. So that made him happy. Everything was fine after the Lego movie. Everything was awesome. Good. Well, there you go. Well, that's yeah. good. Kids are funny that way. I mean, I remember before my kids got to an age where they were able to leave the house on their own, uh, we could be remarkably close to home. And they'd have no idea where they were. <laughs> like, it's funny. Yeah. Un- once Until they start figuring out their local neighborhood and environment, it's it's really hilarious that you can be like two blocks away. I'm like, guys, if I left you here, would you know which way to walk to get home? And they're like, that way. I'm like, well, you'd be going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they made a decision, right? That's true. That's Making true. a decision when you, when they're young is, uh, is kind of a difficult thing to do. See? Uh, one of the things I'm trying to teach Jasper is how to make a decision or to make decisions. Right. And that, that, uh, it's, it's important, but he's still a little, he's still a little anxious, but, uh, he can recite his address. Like if you ask him where he lives, he'll tell you the, uh, the city, the street and the house number. Yeah. That's good. I mean, yeah. if he gets lost and someone asks him where he lives, that's. Yep. And every time we, uh, we're in the neighborhood, I get him to point which way is home and then point out the house. So, uh, if he ever gets lost or separated from us. 
you know, a responsible adult and or police officer or firefighter or somebody could ask him where he lives and he'd be able to tell him. Well, that's good. Start working on north, south, east, west soon, because that's important too. Still working on left and right. Oh, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I've uh, introduced, I bought him, this is getting down a weird rabbit hole, but I bought him recently a pirate map. Because uh-huh. he was, he's been into pirates, so I bought him a, a, a collapsible spyglass uh, that he can he can use as a pirate. Nice. And the hat is on its way. It's not here yet, but I also bought him a. It's like a cloth pirate map, and it's got the cardinal cardinal coordinates on it. So I've been teaching him northeast, southwest, but he doesn't okay. quite get it. He's more of a marks to spot kind of guy. Sure, treasure right here. <laughs> yeah, treasure here. <laughs> this is the Skull Mountain. Let's go to the Skull Mountain. Oh, good. All right. Well, I mean, that all sounds very very fun. Um, we got a lot of things to do on the podcast today, though, if you can yeah. believe it. We cool. are going to talk about the new, well, they call it a mini series, but I call it a show, uh, Devs, which was on uh, Hulu recently. We are also going to do a little bit of quick listener feedback and some Walking Dead news, too. So it's not going to be all non-Walking Dead today. There is going to be a little bit of news. But first, Jason, I want to wish you an International Jazz Day. Jazz. Yes, International Jazz Day. I don't know (laughs) if you're super into jazz. I can't really say that I am, but uh, today is International Jazz Day. So, you know, happy Jazz Day, everybody. And what I learned about this is that in 2011, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization declared International Jazz Day as an opportunity to give recognition to jazz music and state its role to unite people all around the globe. Wow. I'm, I'm, I have a weird relationship with jazz. Do you? Uh, I like to watch jazz. I do not like to listen to jazz. I've been to jazz clubs sporadically and not as often as I would have liked, but I love going to jazz clubs. And watching jazz, or if I could watch jazz on, like I could probably load it up on YouTube and watch all kinds of jazz, but I can't just listen to jazz. Okay. I don't know what it is, but uh, I would definitely much prefer to watch it than to listen to it. Okay. It's the same kind of weird relationship I have with music in general. I would much rather play it than listen to it. I've often said, and I've probably said on this show, uh, for being a musician, I'm surprisingly uninterested in music. (laughs) But (laughs) it's a thing that you can, you do and you can perform and- play it. So yes. that's all right. Much, much prefer it. I much prefer the atmosphere of being there than listening to it. Okay. But I do love listening to funk. I love me my funk. <laughs> I could listen to funk all day long. Uh, it's fantastic. I love funk. Jason Funk Miles. That's your middle name. Uh, actually, it was a uh, hippopotafunk. Oh, see, I knew it would see. be something like that. We went to see uh, the original P-Funk in concert one time down at the government, and uh, we all got dressed up and uh, came up with uh, funk names. And I was Hippopotafunk. Of course you were. The government is an old uh, music club in Toronto, by the way. They were on stage for like three and a half hours. No breaks. No well, breaks. They played time. for three and a half hours. Damn well. near killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone them. It was awesome. All right. Well, anyways, it's Jazz Day, International Jazz Day. Happy Jazz Day, everybody. Go put on some jazz if that's your thing and listen to it. All right. Just before the Walking Dead news here, I I wanted to say that I hope everyone enjoyed our last podcast from last week. If you didn't listen to it or you've forgotten already, it was kind of an Ask Us Anything crossover episode with Jason and Lucy from the Walking Dead cast. We got a bunch of topics from listeners from both groups of listeners, and we just went through as many as we could last week to chat about whatever. 
Um, there were tons though, so we didn't get to them all, but thank you yeah. so much to everyone who suggested one. Thanks to Jason and Lucy for having us. And of course, everyone who tuned in, it was a lot of fun. And if you didn't listen, go check it out. I recommend it. It was awesome. I really had a good time. I feel like, uh, I feel kind of weird afterwards and I've been thinking about this off and on for a week. I think I might've talked too much. No. It's that, cause I, and it, I don't usually feel that way. <laughs> but so I, I I don't know what it was. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I just I, I just came away feeling like I talked too much. I would have maybe preferred to talk less. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird feeling. It's not really explainable. And I think I let my uh, my personal stress uh, get through my anxiety about this whole thing. Uh, kind of leak through on a lot of the conversation I had. So nah, I I felt I I really enjoyed it, but. Uh, Every once in a while you have those social anxieties where you're like, did I talk too much? Did I really reveal too much personal information? Okay. Well, I mean, you it, get that? I mean, I, I sometimes do, I guess, but not that much, not that often, to be honest with you. Oh. So if you want a glimpse into Jason's personal anxiety, go listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Well, it was a good time. It's on both our feeds. So uh, you can get it if you're subscribed to either show. And if you're subscribed to both, you'll get it twice. How's that? That's great. Uh, all right, so let's get started here. We're going to get the Walking Dead news out of the way before we move on into the rest of the show, which is not so Walking Dead related. So let's do the news. The Walking Dead news. All right, so the first item here is about the Rick Grimes movies. Uh, but before you get too excited, Jason, there's no new information. No, I was going to say, uh, you should use the word alleged in there somewhere. <laughs> the alleged Rick Grimes movies <laughs> yes. that apparently are coming. Well, if you recall, there was a time when they were going to be made for TV and aired on AMC. Uh -huh. And then AMC made a deal with Universal, the movie distributor, to put them into theaters. And okay. that, was, that was the idea for a long time. Well... There have been some developments in that regard, but not directly related to the movies. So they may not be in theaters anymore, assuming they get made, or not all the theaters, because apparently there is a bit of a disagreement uh, ongoing Ooh. between Universal, the distributor, and Regal and AMC theaters right now. And huh. the disagreement stems from the fact that once the pandemic hit and all of the movies that were coming out got shut down or delayed or moved, you know, postponed, whatever, um, Universal decided to release the new Trolls movie called Trolls World Tour straight to video on demand instead of postponing it and putting it in theaters later. So it's been out now on video on demand. It's made a butt ton of money and the movie theaters, at least Regal and AMC, got really upset about that because they were cut out of any of the revenue generated from that movie. So they have decided to, at least for the foreseeable future, not show any Universal movies that get released in their theaters. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm going home and I'm taking my ball with me. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so Universal pissed off these theaters, the theaters rebelled, and what this means is that if this disagreement persists and the Rick Grimes movies do get made, and are released, they won't be released in, or they won't be played in Regal or AMC theaters, which I think is a lot of movie theaters in the States. Uh, yeah. We don't, uh, I shouldn't say Canada doesn't have either of those brands, because actually I think we have both, but they're certainly not the most prominent 
theater chain, at least where you and I live. So I don't know what that means for the other companies or around the world, but it could mean that maybe AMC reconsiders their decision to put these in theaters and goes back to uh, broadcast TV or even video on demand. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I actually watched the trailer for Trolls World Tour to see if it was something appropriate for Jasper, but it wasn't. No? It's too, it too rock and roll. It's too rock and roll. <laughs> too was, rock and roll, it, eh? It's a little too over his head, right? There's too many rock and roll references, ah. and uh, he's more into, like, we. he listens to, to music. A lot of it is kids' music, but a lot of it isn't, but none of it, none of it is heavy metal. Sure. That's fair. Right? So, okay. uh, anyway, so we watched that trailer. I was interested to uh, to see what's going on in the trolls world, uh huh. Because you know, I don't know, I don't know. So you got to keep up on trolls, yeah. I, yeah I've, but I, I assume I assume that because of the pandemic and that uh, all theaters are closed, because that's you know how people, you know, people are in close proximity in theaters, generally speaking, mm-hmm. uh, coughing and sneezing and spitting on people and sometimes making sometimes making out. Yeah. Sometimes making out with a complete stranger that's right next to you. You know, you go to a theater, you sit down in the dark, you're sitting next to somebody and you just end up making out. I mean, it I'm happens. sure it's, I'm sure it has. Yeah. It has not happened to me. Recently. <laughs> you know, at all, ever. <laughs> uh, just, just saying. Anyway, um, I assume there's a backlog of movies, right? Cause they had the release schedule and then it's been all shut to shit for the last two months. Pretty much. So that backlog is going to have a lasting effect on, uh, movies and i assume anything that isn't a blockbuster that's going to make them a lot of money is just going to get squeezed out of the schedule yeah so that might have something to do with it too right it's just like well you know how much really are we going to make off of this movie so fuck them i'm taking my <laughs> ball and going home that's it yeah yeah well all right so i mean as i said no real new information about the rick grimes movies uh, the alleged Rick Grimes movies, if they do happen, they're still months, uh, years away because they're still writing them. No filming, no production, and they can't even start on that right now if they wanted to. So maybe Regal, AMC, and Universal will have come to some sort of agreement by the time they come out anyways. So this could all be for nothing. But we'll see. There you go. Okay. Uh, next item, Michael Cudlitz, you remember him. He played Abraham on The Walking Dead. He's directed some episodes in the past, in fact, three episodes. The ones he directed for Walking Dead are Stradivarius, just so everyone remembers. That was season nine, episode seven. And that's the one where Daryl is living in a camp with Dog, and there's still some tension between Hilltop and Alexandria, if you recall. Mm-hmm. He directed Silence the Whisperers, which was season 10, episode four. That's the one where the big tree falls on Hilltop and then Negan kills the woman while defending Lydia. Remember that one? I do. And then he also directed Open Your Eyes, season 10, episode seven. That's the one where Sadiq dies. So he's done those three episodes. And the news is that he is going to be directing another episode, but not of The Walking Dead proper. He's going to be directing an episode of The Walking Dead World Beyond, the new show, oh. which is, of course, postponed still. Uh, no information on the episode yet, but he's been announced, so we can look forward to that, because I think he's done a pretty good job with some of his directing gigs and uh, have no reason to believe that won't continue. Yeah. That'd be so good. good for good Michael Cudlitz. Yeah. yeah. Finally, Robert Kirkman is involved in another lawsuit, Jason. Of course. I of mean, course. I assume that a lot of people that are prominent figures in the world are involved in many lawsuits. 
just all the time. It's part of their job, right? I mean, I'm nobody, and I'm involved in exactly zero lawsuits, but I assume that's, that it, that's ex- exponential, right? As soon as you become more prominent, you'll be involved in one, and if you're extremely prominent, then uh, you'll be involved in more than one. So uh, what level is Kirkman at then? Because he's involved in at least two, maybe more. Well, I assume there's at least five or six. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess he's involved in, in three, if you count this new one, the fact that him and the producers are suing AMC. Oh, no, the other one isn't really him because it's uh, Darabont suing AMC. Yeah. But, you know, he's peripherally involved, I'm sure. Anyways, this new one, Robert Kirkman is suing a video game company called Disruptor Beam Incorporated. They are the makers of a game called The Walking Dead March to War, which was a mobile game, like a phone Walking Dead game, released, I think, three years ago. And Kirkman claims that they owe him $690,000 of payments uh, for the use of The Walking Dead IP, I suppose, in the game. And they either stopped paying him or no longer feel like they want to. And so he's suing for that money. So there you go. Yeah. That's how I feel about the internet. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just feel like I'm just going to stop paying. Fuck it. <laughs> and, and then your ISP calls you up and says, you know, you can't do that if you want to stay online. And I say, oh yeah, I forgot. I'll pay you right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. I need, I needs me my internets. Oh, absolutely. I just, I just upped my internet service because the uh, cost difference was negligible and the speed difference was significant. So I thought it was silly to not uh, boost it up. It, it is silly. I'm, I'm about as high as I can go without uh, some schmuck having to come into my house and give me a new modem. So I'm kind of stopped there for a little while. Oh yeah, I had to buy a new modem. I just bought it from the ISP. They shipped it to me one day, plugged it in, good to go. It was awesome. Oh yeah, right. I'm a technical kind of guy. I could figure this out. You probably could. <laughs> I need a new router too. My router's, or it might be a new phone. I don't know. I'm just going to get all new stuff. I'm going to get a new modem, a new router, a new phone, new computer, you know, everything. Well, just make sure you recycle your old electronics and everything will be fine. Of course. They'll probably just sit in the closet for, you know, Jasper will have to deal with them. <laughs> for eternity, yeah. <laughs> for like, eternity. like most of the stuff around my house too. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Well, that's quick look at the latest Walking Dead news. There is not a ton going on right now. Uh, you know, Gimple said a couple of weeks ago that they're looking at releasing some things for people to consume while we all are stuck at home. Uh, none of that's come out yet. And no more information. So when it does, we'll keep our eyes on it and hopefully talk about it here. All right. Uh, next up is listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay, we got three communications from listeners here. The first one is an email from Bill in New Jersey. Now, Bill wrote, you know, a slightly longer message to us. And, you know, he started by kind of talking about how he's having a bit of a hard time in quarantine right now or the shelter in place order, whatever you want to call it. He said he was missing his parents and, you know, he really wanted to go give his mom a hug, things like that. All things I can sort of understand because my parents yeah. live pretty close to me, but I'm kind of, you know, unable to go see them. I, I technically can go over, just sort of stay away and have a chat, but it's, it's not quite the same. He also said he's a school teacher and he's missing his kids and he says online teaching just isn't the same because, uh, you know, he said he's the kind of guy who wants to give 
give a high five to a student when they really complete something successfully. And I, I can understand that too. So Bill's having a bit of a hard time, I think, but he also wrote this. He said, this Saturday in New Jersey was the first day where it was actually decent weather, warm enough to go outside without a jacket, no rain and no windstorms. Perfect opportunity to mow the lawn, which I've always loved to do. And then I checked my phone and your podcast was new. I always listen to podcasts when I do yard work. So this was just perfect timing. All this is to say this Saturday was some of the most enjoyable yard work I've experienced in my entire life and really made the made my day and was really one of the best days I've had in quite a while. I love listening to you two. Seriously, you could just read names in the phone book and I'd listen. And just hearing you and the other two podcast hosts chat about the most random things was, well, it was two hours that I really needed. So, Bill, first of all, A. Aaron... Aronson. <laughs> Arthur A. Abelbab. Good. Perfect. Uh, no, we're not going to read names out of the phone book because- Those are Simpsons quotes, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> also from the first like four seasons, because that's the only things, the only seasons we know, right? Right. <laughs> and I don't want to think about how long ago that was. Yeah. Um, but Bill, listen, buddy, hang in there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that what we do here gives you, you know, some enjoyment while you're doing yard work or anything. We're going to keep doing it every week while we're, you know, in the off season, but, um, you know, it's great to hear from you and, and feel free to write in anytime, you know, uh, someone, uh, someone I know said that with this whole pandemic thing, the only way past it is through. You can't go around it. You can't avoid it. You just, we have to get through. We're all doing it together. And, uh, you know, your, your email to me, to us made me feel really good. And I'm glad to know that what we do here helps you with the day to day. So hang in, we'll be good. We'll keep recording and you keep listening. Absolutely. Yeah. I know, I know exactly how you feel. I had that same experience on Saturday when I needed to clean the kitchen. And I looked for, I uh, looked at podcasts because I had run out of books on Audible and I didn't feel like picking out a new book because that's a whole fucking ordeal. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and uh, Film Sack was brand new because it comes out on Saturdays most of the time. And I was like, hooray! So it was, it was pretty good. So I feel you and I, uh, I'm glad you enjoy cutting the lawn. I hate it. Absolutely hate yard work <laughs> in any form. You know, I don't mind cutting the lawn. It's the rest of the yard work that I'm not so into. It's just not my department. You know, it's all, but. it's all of it. And, and luckily when we bought the house, I'd laid down the law. Well, I didn't lay down any law because, you know, if anybody knows me and Jenny, I just made a recommendation, but my recommendation was, I hate doing yard work. I'm not doing it. If you need <laughs> a bunch of yard work done, we're hiring somebody. Okay. Have you ever hired so, anybody? We have, uh, the summer before Jasper was born, when Jenny was very, 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 very pregnant, we had, uh, every uh, week we had somebody that was working down the street, uh, we approached them and asked them to do our lawn too. Oh, that's and fair. So they came by every Tuesday and mowed the lawn and, uh, you know, trimmed all the hedges and hedges or, you know, weeded the garden. It was fantastic. It was awesome. That's great. I mean, better than having your eight month pregnant wife out there pushing a lawnmower around. Yeah. You know, and I was, you know, waiting on her hand and foot and, uh, you know, massaging her feet cause they get sore. Good. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't have time for that. No, that of course summer. not. I Anyways. loved it. I loved it. I want to do it again this summer. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to read that one from Bill because, uh, you know, it, it made me feel good. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that whatever we do here makes him feel good. And, you know, if you're on the phone with your mom, Bill, say hi for us. Yeah. If that'll help. I'm glad. 
I'm glad too, Bill. That's great. Yeah. Uh, all right. A few people wrote in about my comments from a few weeks ago about Better Call Saul. And uh, I wanted to address one question that a listener had, and that is that should you watch Breaking Bad before watching Better Call Saul, or is it necessary to watch Breaking Bad before watching Better Call Saul? And I, I wanted to be clear, and I don't know if you 100% agree with this, Jason, but my opinion is that while it might help, you definitely do not need to watch Breaking Bad before watching Better Call Saul, because Better Call Saul, in my opinion, 100% stands on its own. And I say it might it might help only because there are some characters that you may be familiar with if you watch Breaking Bad first, but it's absolutely not necessary. So don't feel like you have to watch five seasons of Breaking Bad if you just want to start watching Better Call Saul. I agree. I mean, it gives you, there's some context you get from watching uh, Breaking Bad, but it's absolutely not necessary. No, no. Be, Better Call Saul is so good. It totally stands on its own. And if you watch it and then Breaking Bad, I think it will be just as excellent an experience. And I still recommend it. Yeah. Even that context is kind of implied by uh, the show itself. Like the opening and closing sequences on the, uh, uh, on the seasons. Mm-hmm. They oh, kind, they right. kind of give you, the, give you the context of what's happening and uh, what's going on. I mean, if you watch Breaking Bad, you get a little bit more information, but... Not not enough to make it uh, a, a necessary thing. Yeah, yeah, no. Watch Better Call Saul. It is it is so far five seasons of just amazing TV, and there are very few shows you can say have been yeah. at this level of quality for five years in a row. But yeah, Better now, Call Saul's one of them. Yeah, and now having said all that, what the hell are you doing? Go watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> right? a good point. Also, a very very good show. Uh, what's that guy's it's name? Not, Vin- it, Vince it's not Gilligan? absolutely necessary, but God damn it. I mean, watch, better, watch Breaking Bad. I recommend both. The guy, the showrunner's Vince Gilligan. Is that his name? Yeah, that's, that's him. Freaking genius, man. Like two, two of the best shows of all time right here from one guy. So, uh, yeah, watch Did, them both. Didn't he do, uh, Malcolm in the Middle? Vince no, Gilligan. the, the, you know, Walter White was on Malcolm in the Middle, but did no. he in, run that one too? I don't know. Anyways, up. either way, he's got a pretty good track record record going with Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Oh, X-Files. That's that's it. What? Oh, Vince Gilligan was a writer Gilligan. on X-Files? He was a writer and producer for X-Files. That's where I know his name. Is that his name, Gilligan? Yeah, Vince okay. Gilligan. Okay, good. Junior. Oh, really? Junior. It's good. George Vincent Gilligan Jr. I'm looking at Wikipedia. That's a solid name. It is a solid name. All right. Uh, okay, finally here we have a call from Laura, and I think it's also about Breaking Bad. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Laura calling from Virginia. I was just listening to your most recent feedback show, and Chris, this is more for you regarding Better Call Saul. Um, I also am a huge fan, um, have been watching from the beginning, and this past week was fantastic. And I don't know if you listen to podcasts about TV shows. I'm assuming you do, but there's a great podcast called um, Post Show Recaps of Better Call Saul. It's Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro, and they break it down. They break every episode down and have 
amazing insight. And it's just really a great podcast if you're really into the show. Um, I love listening to their thoughts and ideas about the episode. And they're just funny guys. So I just wanted to throw that at you in case you're looking for a new podcast to enjoy while we're all stuck at home. Um, Thank you, both of you, for what you're doing with uh, keeping up the podcasting on The Walking Dead. I am a huge fan of you guys and uh, hope to hear some podcasts come out during the off season. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. Amazing. Thank you, Laura. So I just wanted to play that because it was another, uh, uh, another, you know, high five for Better Call Saul and a recommendation of another podcast for it. But uh, no, Laura, I don't listen to any other TV podcasts. I mean, who would do that? I, I really don't know why anyone <laughs> would, would do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you got to be a special kind of person to uh, listen to a podcast about a television show. Uh, yeah, really. I don't know. Um, I have in the past. <laughs> yeah. Right? The, the Lost podcast. I listened to a um, 24 podcast mm-hmm. for a while, but it was one guy. And it's hard to, it's hard to listen to a podcast with just one host. Yeah. That doesn't seem like the right way to do it. I used to listen it's... to The Ones Who Knock, which was the the Dave Chen and Joanna Robinson show that they used to do together. But they, 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 aren't, they aren't doing it on Better Call Saul anymore. Uh, but they're doing a sh- podcast on other shows right now, which are also good. But yeah. Cool. Okay. That is going to do it for listener feedback, Jason. So it is time to talk about devs. Are you ready? I am uh, marginally ready. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the best we're going to do. So uh, let's it dive sure in. Is. Now, we are going to spoil devs as we do when we, anytime we talk about a show or a movie or something like that. So if you haven't seen it, um, I think what we'll do is give a couple sentences about our just general thoughts and say like, should you watch it? Should you not watch it? Um, and then we'll get into the details. But after that, we're going to spoil devs. So um, here we go. It is a show from FX Networks. However, it has been streaming on Hulu. That's where you can find it. And the description of the show from fxnetworks.com is a young software engineer, Lily Chan, investigates the secret development division of her employer, a cutting edge tech company based in Silicon Valley, which she believes is behind the murder of her boyfriend. The show stars Nick Offerman, Sonoya Mizuno, and Alison Pill, and it was written and directed by Alex Garland, who all eight episodes were written and directed by him. He is the guy behind the movie Ex Machina, the Natalie Portman film Annihilation, and the uh, film Never Let Me Go. So, Jason, we both watched all eight episodes of Devs. I powered through them, eight episodes in five days. Uh, you probably did something similar. But did. what did you think of this show without giving anything away a couple sentences. Okay. So, uh, can we talk in analogies? I look, man, I don't know what you're going to say. As long as you don't spoil the show, you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to spoil the show. My question is, did you like it? And, and should people watch it? Okay. So for my personal opinion of the show was very similar to a Python who ate a sloth like a week and a half ago. So you got this sloth in the belly of a python, and there's a bulge, right? So my enjoyment was started off uh, pretty minimal, and it stayed minimal for a long time, and then it hit a, hit the bulge of the sloth being digested by the python, and then it tapered off again at the end. 
So it was a, it was a slow, it, I had a hard time getting into it at the beginning for the first like four and a half, five episodes. And then it was like, oh, this could be interesting. And then it ended with a, what the fuck? Okay. So that's how I felt about the show. Okay, good. Um, I don't know if I can top that, but I will have to say that I thought the sh- I liked the show, thought it was pretty good, had some problems. There were some things about it that didn't quite work for me. Um, but overall, if you are into kind of tech-related science fiction, I think there's enough here to enjoy this thing. So I do recommend it on that level. Um, but there's some things about it I didn't like as well, which we will get into. Yes. So if that's, if that's what you're looking for, give it a chance. Um, and then, uh, you know, come back and listen to the rest of this. But if you've already seen it, let's get into some more details on what devs is and what it's got going on. Um, from here on in, we're going to talk about more details and spoil the show. So be warned. Okay. So yeah, it's the, the central idea behind this, this show, Jason is, you know, to expand on what I read from FX networks is there's this tech company. They have a very secretive development department, which takes is, is working on something that they don't want to get out. And it is all in the self-interest of the head of the company played by Nick Offerman, a guy named Forrest character is Forrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is leading this project involved in quantum computing for a very specific personal purpose that he has. Right. So they're using quantum computing uh, because the the amount of processing that they have to do is astronomical. It's big data. Mm-hmm. It, you know the uh, the quote from the show, basically uh, using. Uh, the raw power of quantum computing to calculate uh, the, uh, hmm, how to put this, to be able to see, like know all of the information, uh, uh, knowing enough information so that you can predict the future accurately and determine the past. Knowing the current state of the universe, being able to determine being able to see what led up to the current state using uh, determination. So it's you know the assumption that they're making is that uh, everything is predetermined. Right. That there are no decisions, there are no, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Everything has been predetermined. The, uh, the, the lot has been cast so far in the past that there's nothing we can do. Everything is just playing out the way uh, it has been you know, preordained right. millennia ago. Right. And he, he calls it a prediction engine, right? For predicting the future. But it also kind of, like, it, it, I don't want to say predicts the past, but what it does is it kind of maps the past and fills in all the holes. It takes, right. it takes all the data available and therefore can kind of rebuild the past and predict the future with um, perfect accuracy, essentially. Yeah. So imagine, if you will, uh, being shot in the head by a bullet, right? And and capturing that in uh, using, um, you know, a lot of high speed cameras. So uh, being able, so you can, you know, that that event happened, mm-hmm. and you can, and now that you know everything about that particular event, you can determine where that bullet came from. 
Like you can follow the path of where it went back and, and roll that back into the past and come up with an exact uh, location of where that bullet had originated based on speed, trajectory, uh, you know, the Earth's gravity, wind, all, you know, have, knowing so much about the current state that you'd be able to roll that back and be able to roll it into the future. I don't know what future that anybody would have being shot in the head, but you'd be able to roll that forward and uh, determine where that bullet goes. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> your your example is similar to one that's used in the show, although it's rolling a pencil across a table, not a bullet going into someone's head. But, yeah, whatever. but that's the, the same idea, right? There's a lot of variables. You take all the information down to a quantum level, everything, and you can you can predict the future and, and map out the past. So that's kind of like the core of what this technology is that, you know, Nick Offerman's devs department is, is doing. The purpose for this is that Offerman had a family. His wife and daughter were killed in a car accident, and he wants to be able to basically predict a future where, um, well, predict a future where she's still alive, or, or at least envision a future where she's still alive, and also, I think, fill in some information in the past where he wasn't around, right? Where he was at work and the daughter and the wife were at home or whatever so he can experience all the things he missed before they were they were killed so i kind of interpreted that slightly differently i think what he's looking for is not uh being able to envision those things because he was kind of uh raging against the many worlds interpretation and how it was being used in his prediction engine mm -hmm. so you know if there are infinite universes there are decisions that everybody makes and every decision you make kind of forks off into a different uh a different universe so every decision um comes up with a, a new universe that splits off so um if he had uh if he had done something differently that morning, his wife and daughter would still be alive. Yes. So by uh, rejecting that many worlds interpretation to uh, saying and, and leaning into the fact that everything is predetermined, he's looking for absolution in that nothing he did mattered. Nothing he did uh, could have resulted in a different outcome. So he's looking for... Uh, Absolution, he's looking for, to be let off the hook for his actions, like uh, feeling guilty about what he did and what he may have, could have done that prevented this by uh, the world being predetermined, mm -hmm. he's off the hook. But at the same time, like people talk about his desire in a way to resurrect her. Well, this is my confusing thing. And this is the, the part of the ending of the show that really uh, annoyed me was when they said uh, he he's looking to resurrect her I'm like what the what how does how does a prediction engine give you the ability to resurrect somebody well well it does if you can predict what the future could have been right based on this many worlds theory which the reason that comes up is because they actually do make a breakthrough during the course of the show going from like a very very fuzzy picture of the future to a very clear one. And it's all, it all has to do with the theory, the many worlds theory, as you were talking about, where the universe is constantly splitting off in, in different infinite universes. Yeah. But he rejects that on the show. He does. Because he doesn't want it to be a different universe. He wants it to be the universe, the, the one and only that he sort of lives in. Right. Um, yeah. so I, under, I see your point, but, but I also 
think that that doesn't totally jive with his, with the idea that he wants to maybe like resurrect or at least be able to experience what her life would have been. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's why I got confused and that's why I didn't like the ending. Well, there's other things about the ending that I don't think quite worked either, um, which we'll get into, but go ahead if there, if you have something else there. Uh, yeah, I guess the, the other thing, the reason it took me a long time to get into this show was, um, it was a little too atmospheric for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, not necessarily plot driven or character driven. It was more mood driven, yeah. uh, at least at the beginning. And, um, you know, God help me. I'm not really a big fan of that. <laughs> so I can understand how people can be a fan of that and I can see how that, that can be enjoyable. But for me, it's not, it's, uh, it, it. And the sound design was a little odd in that there was loud, obnoxious sounds that uh, were meant to convey feeling more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were annoying. But having said that, some of the music in the show was fan-fucking-tastic. Yes. Like the closing music for every episode was spot on and brilliant yeah. in my in my opinion. There was some really good music. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is a very atmospheric type show. I kind of liked that, uh, you know. I didn't mind it at all. I thought the cinematography was amazing. There were just so many beautiful shots, like foggy shots of San Francisco and the forest where the company, uh, the company's campus is built into and stuff like that. Uh, there's this giant statue of Nick Offerman's, uh, character's daughter, like giant. It's taller than all the trees, you know, by 50% or something. And it's really creepy looking, but you get a lot of shots of it, big wide shots. I must admit, I'm not sure I really understood the point of that giant statue in the show because it doesn't really play a role in the, in the plot other than just being a a big landmark, but it did add to the atmosphere and sort of the creepiness of it. And I guess it informs us about Nick Offerman's character a little bit. The fact that he'd build this mega statue to his daughter. It, it, it does. And I don't know. Was it a statue or was it a projection? Was it uh, like a holographic projection? Because it would—it really didn't feel physical and real and part of the environment. No, it, I think it was an actual statue. It may not have felt real because it was a digital effect, but oh, I I got the impression that it was uh, it was just a you know a holographic projection, well, and that the uh, the pillars that were around the campus as well were also holographic projections. They weren't real. Uh, those uh, kind of Gold, uh, bronzy, goldy, kind of uh, pillars. Yeah, I, really, I never nice. really thought about that, but I just figured they were weird monoliths standing outside the the devs' building. Yeah, I mean, for being, there was a lot of uh, aesthetics put into a research and development lab, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it was a it was a little odd, but I really liked the lighting on the around the trees. That, that was, was pretty really cool. fantastic. The, really, the, uh, the ring lights that sort of hovered around the trees, it looked like. Yeah. I hope that they were practical and not digital because they were awesome. And I think that's a great idea for a, a forest. They were neat. Well, um, playing out around all of this stuff is really the m- other main character that we follow, which is Lily, played by Sonoya Mizuno, who she's a bit of an Alex Garland um, muse or whatever the word is, because she was in Ex Machina too. Uh, I think he's worked with her a couple of times, but she is an employee of the company whose 
boyfriend is murdered because at the, in the first episode, he gets invited to the devs department, realizes what they're doing, freaks out, tries to steal the code, and then is murdered on the way out. So she's drawn into this whole kind of murder mystery universe a little bit of what's going on and, and stuff like that. And so we, for a lot of the show, we follow her and how she's dealing with this. And like I said, getting drawn further into what's going on at this company. And I thought, um, I thought, I thought that her character was not the most compelling thing I've ever seen on my screen. Not to say she was bad, but we were told a number of times in the show how how she's special, strong, and unique, but her performance to me doesn't really come off that way. I thought she was... Well, that's why they told us that. I guess so, but she just kind of monotoned through all her lines, and there were a few exceptions for sure where she felt like she was really in a scene, but most of the time it was it was pretty um, unsure acting is kind of the way I would describe it. Like she wasn't quite sure what she was supposed to do in that scene. And she's pretty new. She hasn't been in a lot of things. So maybe that will come, but I couldn't help but think that every time I saw her on screen. I'd take that brush and paint it, paint the whole show with that. Like I, the only person that I thought was really like even Nick Offerman, uh, who I really like as an actor, uh, he seemed kind of, mostly there. Right. It, it just, it was kind of stilted. The only person that I thought was actually really good in this was uh, Zach Granier. Oh, it's in the security guy. Kenton, head of security. I didn't like him at all. You don't, you don't like, I really like him as an actor. I've, you know, he was in uh, uh, um, The Good Wife, which I, I, you know, I liked him in that show. He was kind of an asshole mm-hmm. divorce lawyer. And before that he was in Deadwood. And, you know, we all know how I like Deadwood. Yep. So I, I really, I, I enjoy him. I had never seen him before, so I, I did not recognize him. But he plays the, so the company's called Amaya, which is the same, which is the name of Nick Offerman's daughter. He named the company after her. But this guy plays Kenton, the head of security. But I, I felt like he was plucked out of another show and dropped into this one because he, he didn't fit in to the atmospheric or the sort of low keyness of most of it. And I just finished saying how I thought Sonoya Mizuno was way too low key and not really invested. Right. He just felt ridiculous in this role to me. I, I, I could never get on board with what he was doing and I never really believed that he belonged at this company or would be, was actually acting out on the desires of his boss Forrest. So I don't know. Right. You know, where was his team? Where was the rest of the security team? Why did he have to go do everything? It felt so well, out of place. There was only like four actors in this. Was, I know there's more than that, but uh, everybody seemed like they were the only person around that did anything like them. Right. Like, there were no other people in this, this. I mean, it was a very, uh, well, uh, at least it's not really a bottle episode, but it's kind of a, a, a bottle uh, show. Kind of. Right. In that there was like smaller, it was a smaller cast. Um, so yeah, no, he doesn't have a team, but because okay, if you draw all of these actors on a graph, everybody would kind of be at the same level and Zach would be like, there's a, there's a peak, right? And so he does feel out of place, 
Like, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of, uh, like, if you're down in, in the weeds in the graph, you can see the, the spike in that. And it's like, yes, he doesn't feel out of place. For me, because I knew who he was and I like him as an actor, I kind of latched onto that onto that, and was going, like, raise everybody else up to his level, would you mind? Yeah. But everything else sucked because he was out of place. You know what I mean? I understand. You're just looking at it the other way around, for sure. Yeah. It, he didn't work for me. Um I was going to say that Lily did have a couple of friends, at least one that we got more than one scene with. So, um, I mean, friends she worked with. There was, you know, there was the other guy, uh, her ex-boyfriend on the show who plays an important role. But um, the, the, the one person, I agree, I think Offerman was not his usual great self in this. Uh, maybe miscast a little bit. Like, I just don't see Offerman as this head of a, a, like genius, like genius head of a tech company, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, he he's he's a little more of an everyman, a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I mean it's hard to separate him from some of his more comedic roles, I think, because they are so unique. So, and this was not yeah. funny in any way. But the one person I thought was fantastic, my favorite performance in this whole thing was Allison Pill. Um, I, I thought she I was amazing. She was like thought- Nick Offerman's number two. And what I loved about her performance is that she was always teetering on the edge of creepy versus very normal, right? And right. you never knew which way she was going to go. Um, occasionally, she'd have a real weird, creepy moment. And then there were occasional, like, really human moments. Like, in one episode, she's in bed with Nick Offerman, because not only do they work together, they're sleeping together. And I thought that was actually a pretty human, regular person kind of scene. Whereas the rest of it, she was super weird, but she was the one I liked the best. Right. Okay. So, um, let's see what else. So let's talk about the building itself, the devs building a little bit. It is this, this super secure building that is actually, uh, surrounded or, or built with a layer of gold on the inside for some reason. And it is the inner section of the building is surrounded by an actual vacuum, like a moat that is a vacuum that you have to take a hover elevator through to get Mm -hmm. from the outside to the inside. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, it is, but it kind of, it has its roots in reality too, with like recording studios. Because as you know, Chris, and many of our listeners may may know that uh, sound booths are floating rooms. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a room built within a room, and they're all uh, the inner room is sitting on rubber cones, mm-hmm. right, to try and deaden sound and stuff. So having that inside a a vacuum chamber uh, and hovering because they apparently have anti gravity, which is fantastic. Very cool. Uh, that uh, it kind of it it separates. Uh, it separates this this dev environment from the rest of reality that may interfere with it. Yeah. So I, I mean, it has it has its roots in reality, and I kind of uh, I accepted that. And then when at the, the first episode, when Nick Offerman was explaining that the it's you know it's a it's a building within a sitting within a vacuum chamber, it's like, well, how do we get in there? It's like, oh, you'll see. I'm like, <laughs> awesome, we're gonna have teleportation. Cool. Right? I was expecting teleportation, but uh, nope, it wasn't teleportation. It was just fucking floating elevator. Well, it was anti-gravity. That's still pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but they could have still had teleportation. I suppose, but come on. How much are we actually supposed to be asked to believe here, right? <laughs> well, in my mind, we have uh, uh, we have anti-gravity. We have, uh, 
uh, quantum, you know, quantum computing, uh, you know, beyond the current level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, uh, those projections, those uh, holographic projections, which I assume are holographic projections because either that or it's really crappy uh, computer graphics. Anyway, uh, so it is near future, right? It's not, it, it is not, it is science fiction or uh, fantasy because it didn't really, I was hoping for more sci-fi than fantasy. It's but, pretty close to real sci-fi though. Like this is really about the science and tech. Well, it's at least, of, at least partially about that, which, which yeah. counts. Okay. All right. It's, it's more philosophical than technical though. So it's, I, I agree with you that it's right on the line. Yeah. Okay. And where it falls on that line is a matter of an, an interpretation. Okay. So, uh, you know, I've, I've done, uh, I've read sci-fi or listened to sci-fi and watched sci-fi and, you know, talking about um, quantum computing and the many worlds interpretation and uh, determinism versus free will. Uh, you know, those kind of concepts uh, I've uh, been through my TV and movie watching and book reading uh, I've had explored previously. So none of this was new territory for me. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for something new territory-ish. Uh, but, you know, really focusing on the predetermination versus free will and uh, everything leading up to the very end uh, being, you know, just leaning into the everything's predetermined. There's nothing you can do. It's all, uh, it's all just, you know, the way the universe is. Yep. And then we have an actual decision and that fucks everything up. It does, yes. She makes an actual choice at one point after already having been shown what is about to happen through the prediction engine. Right. Which apparently doesn't make any difference whatsoever because Nick Offerman had seen the future events many times, yet still uh, recites the words as if he's uh, saying them for the first time. And, you know, he addresses that. He's saying, like, it doesn't feel like I'm reciting lines. It feels like I'm saying everything that uh, is coming into my mind uh, as I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's fascinating. I think one of the point, maybe one of the points is, you know, she's, Lily is shown the future, the immediate future, what's about to happen. And then she does something different. I mean, maybe one of the points there is that, you know, it's it's kind of like the how, the idea that if you observe something, it changes what it is, right? The fact that she yeah. knows what's about to happen gives her the ability to do something different. Yeah. In a way, I, I don't know. I mean, free will, determinism, these are all big concepts that this show explores a little bit, but I have not spent a lot of time th- thinking about. Uh, but they're interesting. I was kind of sure. hoping, I was kind of hoping the show would go more into, you remember how we talked about, uh, are we living in a simulation or whether it's reality? Mm-hmm. Right. I was hoping the show was going there. Like they actually found that this, that reality is not reality. It's just a three dimensional projection of a two dimensional, two, two dimensional, uh, you know, underlying universe. Sure. We just think it's 3d and it's, and it's not real. Like, fuck. Well, let's. The the mind bender that would be. Yeah. Let's talk about simulations in a second. Uh, but, but just before we leave the idea of, of, of the multi universe theory, that kind of came out, I think it was in episode five, where that was first introduced. And yep. that was, episode five, I think was one of my favorites of all eight, because that one was, um, it, 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 it's where we started being shown 
the different universes a little bit, right? Like you'd get a scene where the same character was on screen coming in from different ways or doing different things, living slightly different, a slightly different life, right? Like the, I think that episode starts with a cold open of Lily's apartment and her in there and her boyfriend, Sergei in there. And then they, they don't really multiply, but they're the same characters doing different things. And even the other guy, what's his name? Jamie? He, he was in there, yep. the ex-boyfriend. And I thought that was a really simple, but really effective way of kind of showing the audience the fact that there was different parallel universes running. I thought it was really yeah. cool. It, it was good. And this, this is where the sloth is in the Python. It was right around episode five. This mm-hmm. is where I, you know, it took a long time to ramp up. But once I got there, I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. They're showing us the, uh, you know, the multiple universes, which, which, is, which is really neat. Yeah. And I, I did enjoy that as well. Yeah. I, it was a really clever way of doing it. It was really interesting, just sort of overlapping the different worlds and just watching them play out a little bit. So that, that yeah. was really cool. But um, to get back to the simulation idea. So the, the whole series ends with, um, even though Lily makes this different choice after being shown the future, the ultimate outcome is the same where both her and Forrest Nick Offerman die in a particular way, but then they are brought back to life inside a simulation that the quantum computer in the devs department is running. For some reason. For some reason. And that's the biggest problem because this whole show is about quantum computing, free will versus determinism, you know, the multiple universe theory, the other technology involved. And in my opinion, out of nowhere, suddenly it's a simulation. Yeah. Yeah, And the, I actually yelled at the TV at this point and I, you know, lately I've been not yelling at the TV a whole lot. Good. It's happened in the past, (laughs) but, uh, you know, uh, Nick Offerman is inside the computer now talking to Allison Pill. I'm like, when the fuck were they able to communicate with, who, you know, what they were seeing on the screen. Yeah. Like never once. It was all just, you know, watching Jesus, Mar- watching Marilyn Monroe have sex, uh, watching various things unfolding, uh, you know, looking at the past, looking at the future, exploring the universe, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And all of a sudden you can talk to it yeah, and it can understand you. And now they're living in a simulation. And was there a simulation before? I don't think there was a simulation. And this is what they meant by resurrecting as his daughter. Well, that's but, the thing. Like that's, that's where it gets into that. It's like, w- were they always able to do this simulation of reality? Why wasn't that mentioned before? It was this the goal the whole time? I don't know. And I yeah. don't think the show knew until that last episode. So they end up with Offerman and Lily in this simulation. They're the only ones who know. And yeah. it's this kind of utopia for at least Offerman because he's back with his wife and daughter Lily, yeah. on the other hand, is in there in an, in a way it's the opposite because she's there. She knows it's a simulation. She knows she died in the real world. They even reference that and nobody else does. And she basically has to just live out her life in this simulation, if you can call it that. So while Nick Offerman made it to heaven, she made it to hell. Which actually is kind of a fascinating concept, I will admit. It is. If they set it up in any way, shape, or form beforehand, maybe it would have paid off, but they did not. The show is not about that simulation. All of a sudden it ends with that simulation and 
it's supposed to be a big reveal. No, it wasn't. It was a left fucking turn. Yeah, it was. So uh, that was the biggest disappointment I had with this show. Um, but everything, almost everything leading up to that, I was pretty much on board with. And I did enjoy it, uh, you know, un- until that point. It's too bad that they just didn't really stick the landing in a way. Yeah. And, and this whole thing, uh, being able to predict the future, um, it reminds me of a book I read and I'm wondering if the listeners can help me out here. I'm actually, uh, I'm looking to crowdsource this. I read a book once where it was, there was this guy and, uh, I don't know if I'm getting this right or if I can even explain it. Uh, for some reason, this guy, every time he left the presence of somebody, uh, they would forget who he is. Like as long as he used to having face-to-face contact with somebody, they would have a continuous memory of him. But as soon as he was away from them for any period of time, (laughs) they would forget who he was. His parents kicked him out because they didn't know why this guy was in their house, for example. He meets a, I want to say it's a squirrel. It's so there's this squirrel that can, that's telepathic. It's some kind of small rodent that is telepathic and can, can communicate with them. And then there's this crab that can predict the future. <laughs> Sounds so really weird. <laughs> it is kind of weird. And I'm not sure I remember this correctly. So this guy is talking to the squirrel and the squirrel is talking to the crab who can predict the future. So he is able to see the future. So, but he can't actually physically go there. He can only project his consciousness into himself in the future and he can do it for a certain amount of time. So I can say, I want to project, project myself into my consciousness uh, three days into the future for one hour. And that'll happen. And he'll go into his consciousness and he'll be able to see what happens in the future uh, for one hour. But because of <clears throat> free will, there was no way for him to see an actual future. Because he saw that future, it becomes absolutely impossible to for that future to, to play out because he you know, subconsciously will change it. Right. Uh, knowing what it is. So sometimes you project yourself into the future but all you get is basically a blank screen and then you get kind of dumped back into your current consciousness because that future, you were dead. So shit, now what do I do? Do I try again and project myself into a future and maybe I'll get one where I'm not dead? But then when I do that, that one becomes impossible too. So it's uh, kind of a mind fuck and that you can see things that you know will never happen, but you're kind of curious to see what happens. You know what would be interesting there is if if the, he, he, he becomes obsessed with seeing those things. So he does it so much that there are no futures left where he's not dead. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't finish the book is the other thing is that I kind of, I started reading half this book. So if anybody knows, I've been trying to find this book for about a year off and on. Uh, I don't have any idea who wrote it, what it's called. I just have this very vague outline of what is happening and maybe inaccurate. Uh, I do know that at some point he projects himself, uh, five minutes into the future for 10 minutes kind of thing. Well, that so would screw things up. Halfway through, yeah, halfway through his projection, his body just gets up and runs because it's got to catch up to where things were going on. And it was, it's kind of a weird kind of thing. I don't know if it's sci-fi or fantasy or what. I can envision the book cover. It's kind of red. And I know where it was in my house that I was living at. The time, which was probably 1988. Oh my God. But that's a long time ago. So it's 1980s sci-fi, could be 70s sci-fi. If anybody has any idea what the hell I'm talking about, let me know, because I'd like to read this book. All right. So that's weird science fiction, and Devs is 
kind of weird science fiction. But it has to do with future projections, right? right. Being in, so it's just a different concept of you know this is uh, deterministic in that you can see the future, but you know what absolutely is going to happen. Whereas that book, it's you know the uh, the tenant takes the opposite view. You can only see futures that do not happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Sounds like an interesting so, book. I also think so. So let me ask you a question. Okay. Let's say you were a dev. And you were sitting in this room and it worked and you could see anything in the past or the future. Yeah. Okay. What would you, what would you want to see? Um, well, I might have to think about that a little bit. Yeah. It made me think about it. It's like, you know, those devs are sitting in a room. Uh, Nick Offerman's character goes back and looks at, uh, some people who live in caves, do cave paintings. And he says he follows this, uh, this one woman's life from girlhood all the way through, you know, she dies at like 35, uh-huh. has like eight kids and whatever. Yeah. And she, he says that they lived in these caves for thousands of years. And so he's been scrolling around through the, the, uh, the, the past and they went, they were all sitting around looking at the earth a billion years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So they could see anything in the past and basically anything in the future up to a point, but let's just assume that it works and that you could see anything in the past so, so from why, any perspective. Why not go back all the way to the creation of the universe? You could. Is that the kind of thing you would want to do? Is there any event in history that you would like to watch? Well, there's probably some, uh, but I, I feel like you're, you're, you're leading to, you're looking for a specific answer. I'm not leading answer. to anything. I'm not looking for a specific, I'm just curious okay. that if you were a dev sitting in that room and you had your finger on the dial, uh, to, to dial back to any time, to dial back to any event, dial back to anything, uh, is there anything? I, I can't think of anything other than the Kennedy assassination, but they mentioned that. Yeah. They the confirmed show. that it was done by the guy that, uh, it, it was, uh, that was a convicted of it, I think. Right. Yeah. What the hell is his name? Damn it. Anyways, you yeah. Think I know. No, I mean, I, there's probably all kinds of things. If you sit there long enough, it would be like going onto YouTube and going down a rabbit hole of watching videos all about the same thing, right? You go back to watch something and then you're like, you know what? There's a similar event that happened, whatever, or this led to that. And I could probably get into a sort of a chain of, of, of events like that. But where would I start? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be personal? Would it be historical? Would it be like, would you want to go back and see your birth? <laughs> I personally would not. I'm not so sure I would want to do that. No. Would, uh, you know, go back to your own childhood to see what that was like. Uh, go back to your parents' childhood, your grandparents' childhood. I'd be curious. There's a, um, uh, I forget his name, but there's a, I found a historical figure in my family that used to live in New Brunswick. Uh, John Miles or something like that. I'd like to go back and see what his life was like in the 1830s. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty that fascinating is. to go back to see your own ancestors' lives and what they did. Um, there are, you know, on one side of my family, the records are, they don't go back that far. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, information. So it would be interesting to go back and try to fill in some holes there. Yeah. Well, my grandfather wrote a novel or a book called Tales of the Rishtagush River, which is a small community, mining community that was, or logging community that was in New Brunswick. I found it. I was looking for, I thought it was in Quebec, but it was in New Brunswick. And then through there, I found the name of an uh, somebody, John Miles or something like that. I forget now, it's been years, but uh, he lived, you know, in the 1830s. He died in 1839 or something like that. And it's like, fuck, I'd like to, what the hell was his life like? That is so long ago. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, not right? in the grand scheme, but life was pretty different in the 1830s, I bet. And I've also, also kind of been curious of what this spot I'm sitting at right now was like a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. What was Toronto like in, uh, you know, a thousand years ago? N- not as many skyscrapers. No, dial it back. Let's find out. Yeah. That would right? be fascinating. I could, I could spend all day doing that. Yeah. I'd probably, you'd probably spend your whole life doing that. But yeah. then, then, then going into the future, what the hell's Toronto going to look like a thousand years from now? That is a good question. Yeah. So it's a lot of power that these, these devs have. It really is. To be able to, to see that. It, the, the knowledge and they're pissing it away on trying to resurrect, uh, Offerman's daughter. <laughs> One like, crazy guy's daughter. <laughs> Yeah, like fucking release this. Like, holy shit, the historical information alone, not ne- not necessarily, if you just, you know, put a blocker on the future and just kind of pointed it at the past, holy Jesus Christ, you'd find all kinds of information. <laughs> you would. There'd never be, every hole would be filled in. There'd never be any question about anything anymore. There'd be no such thing as, uh, I mean, you could solve every crime, right? Just yeah. by looking into the past and being like, were you there? Did you do it? No? Okay. Who did it? Oh, you did. Great. You're in jail. You'd solve every con- crime. You could prove every lie. Uh, everything. Sounds like terrible technology. <laughs> it's, it sounds horrible. The privacy would be out the window, right? Yeah. Everybody, you're like, well, whoever had access to this would absolutely know everything. Absolutely. And you know, they touched on that on the show a tiny bit because there was that one scene where a senator comes to visit Offerman and is, is curious about what they're doing and he won't really reveal anything because it's a giant secret. Yeah. And then she comes back in the final episode. Remember when, uh, Alison Pill is sitting there talking, it may not be the scene where she's talking to, um, Offerman, but you know, the Senator, she, I think she goes to the Senator and says, you know what, I need your help now to keep this on so that the simulation continues. Yeah. So I feel like if they ever do a season two of devs, which I don't believe is the plan, but it's going to be about the technology getting out to the government and how they misuse it. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing, right? The yeah. simulation, if you reboot the simulation, you know, uh, what happens? Forrest dies and so does, uh, Lily. Mm-hmm. So like they're dead. And so it's, uh, it's a kind of like, uh, you know, cryogenics issue, the cryogenics issue, you know, people get their heads frozen or their brains frozen. It's like, well, if they run out of uh, liquid nitrogen, their head's going to warm up and they're going to die. Mm-hmm. You're if right. If they're not dead already. I mean, that's a whole thing, right? That's a different but, question. Uh, you know, like you got to preserve them. They got to be preserved forever. There can be no, there's no margin of error for that kind of thing. I don't think I want that job. I, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want to be frozen either. I mean, at the very least, you know, if we live long enough, we'll be able to download our consciousnesses into some kind of computing system, probably a quantum computing system, and then live in a virtualized world. Just don't pull the plug. Don't turn it off. Don't pull the plug. And that you can, uh, the Afayuki Hotline? No, that was a different book. There was another bunch of novels, the the Hechi, the Hechi Saga. Uh, They actually touched on that, being able to download your consciousness into a computer. And then basically put that computer into a spaceship and then the spaceship can go anywhere, anywhere you want. And then, uh, but you also, your consciousness can speed up. Like it, it, the computing is power is more powerful than our brains. So you actually live, uh, at a faster pace. And if you need to interact with the real world, it's so mind numbingly boring <laughs> that what they end up doing is, uh, the computer's 
consciousnesses build a simulation to interact with the human being and then check in on it every once in a while to see how the conversation's going. All right. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should probably wrap it up, but uh, devs, if you want to watch it, you can check it out on Hulu or FX. I think it's on FX's streaming service as well. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty good, but definitely not perfect. Yeah, say. there's a lot of uh, sci-fi out there that kind of touches on these topics that I would recommend. For sure. Okay. Well, that is going to do it, everyone. Just before we wrap up here, I wanted to thank a couple of people who have recently contributed to the podcast. First of all, Kathy O. Uh, made a uh, generous donation via PayPal, as did Andrew P. So thank you to the both of you for doing that. I think they're both from the UK. Um, but if you want to help support the show in any way, uh, a couple of ways to do that are visit by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can make a small monthly pledge there, or like Kathy and Andrew, you can just, uh, contribute via PayPal really quickly by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. And, uh, all the contributions go into the costs associated with putting on the show um, and we really, really uh, thank everyone who chooses to support us. If now is not the time for that, certainly don't feel bad. Um, you know, you can also go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a star rating and a review. That is an, also a great way to send your support and help us keep going. Thank you to you guys, and thank you to everyone who supports us. All right, next week on the podcast, Jason, we are going to watch and talk about a movie. So you don't have to watch eight hours of a show. You just have to watch a couple hours of a movie in the next seven days. And that movie is called One Cut of the Dead. Mm. So it Remind is, me in five days. I will. It is a zombie movie. Um, I do not know a ton about it other than it is a Japanese film. And I have heard some recommendations for this film from people. And, you know, all of them have said, don't watch the trailer. You know, don't look it up. Just watch the movie, put it on. You're really going to enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to this. I think it might be, well, I don't really know what it is because I have taken their advice, but uh, I do know that it involves zombies and it's made in Japan. So I'm looking forward to watching it and talking about it. If you want to watch it, it is streaming on Shudder. The, the AMC run like horror thriller uh, streaming service called Shudder. You can get it there. And you can sign up for a free trial, like I think a seven-day trial for Shutter, so it shouldn't cost you anything. It's also available, though, for purchase and rent from Apple and YouTube and Google Play and all those other services. So it should be fairly easy to get. And if you watch it, let us know what you think. Send in some comments, some feedback, some thoughts on it, and we will get some of those on the podcast next week when we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't watch trailers anymore. Ever? I'm At done all? With, I'm, I'm done with trailers. Except for Trolls World Tour. Uh, well, it's a kid's, anything that I'm interested in. I'm not interested in kids' uh, movies. Well, I am sort of interested, but uh, mainly I wanted to check it out to see if it was, a, I felt it was appropriate for yeah. Jasper. Solid. It Good was idea. not. He, uh. Too rock and roll. Too, too rock and roll. Yeah. All Just right. too many references that he wouldn't get. Yeah, of course. Maybe would, and he doesn't know the Trolls universe, so he's, uh. It would just be completely lost on him, and I don't think he would be able to pay attention. He, very he probably doesn't need to get into the Trolls universe. I'm sure he's better off without it. 
Anyways, One Cut of the Dead next Thursday on the podcast. Check it out and let us know what you think. I'm looking forward to watching it. All right, that's going to do it. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch about anything we said here tonight, then you can visit our website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com, clicking on Send Voicemail at the top to record a message into your computer or phone, I guess. But if you're on your phone, the Voice Memo app is a really good way to do it too, where you can record your thoughts and email those to us. You can send those emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back next week with One Cut of the Dead. And until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.